Welcome to the Jammin' Show. My name's Ben Villers, and I'm a fitness trainer, DJ, and MC here in Los Angeles, California. Welcome to my show. I appreciate y'all tuning in. Um, today is September 6th, and it's been a little while since I made the last episode. I've been so busy, and I've been kind of restructuring how I'm going about uh, this podcast in regards to how much I make, because instead of focusing on you know being weekly or monthly, like maybe some people would like, you know, I'm really focused on long-term creating an entire body of work and just creating a resource for all my people tuning in rather than feeling this rush and sense and urgency. If I've got the time or I feel like I got to say something, I'll definitely get on the mic um, and, and create something. But not only is this a resource for you guys, but it was a marketing tool for me and growing it as a business. And my businesses have all grown. So I don't feel that same sense and urgency of recording all the time, but at the same time, I love my podcast and I want it to become more of a priority and I'm going to continue to grow this no matter what it's, it's a, I'm in it for the long term. So we're on episode 53. Um, and this, in this episode, we're going to go over working out through injury, um, making progress while, through injury. So on the last episode, we went over knee stability. And now on this episode, we're going over making progress while, you know, you're injured or you've got a pain or um, you're dealing with a pain and you're, you're, you don't really know what to do. Are you focused? Should you be working out? Should you be resting? So here is my take on working out through pain. So um, when you get an injury, that is the time to now work out. So before you get back to working out with an injury, you have to stabilize the injury. So let's say you're doing whatever it is you are doing, and then you hurt yourself. Um or you're at the gym and you hurt yourself, something happened and you hurt yourself. Maybe you slept, maybe you were moving something around your home, maybe you were taking care of your kid, whatever. But then you have to let that, that, that pain stabilize, right? So you have to let it subdue and not be like aching all the time because you can't actually work out while dealing with the, the, the acute pain that's occurring, right? So if you're in pain while doing like things, you have to continue to rest until, not till it's healed all the way, but until it's just not hurting as much. So the pain is subdued. You are still in your situation, right? But now once you feel like you've stabilized whatever it is that is causing you discomfort, you know, every, any, any and that's, this applies anywhere in the body, um, then you can get back to work, Right. So I, I used my Instagram to reach out and get some, some data and some feedback, which was fun to do. It's the first time I've done this with this much participation. And, and I asked you guys, what are some pains and some injuries that you may be dealing with? And the stuff that I got was, um, you know, lower back, um, you know, a lot of back, um, spinal, herniated discs, 
Then I've got some knee issues, right? So knee pains, um, recovering from ACL, meniscus, um, tennis elbow, and then, you know, weak ankles. So rolling their ankles a lot and weak feet. So I'm going to go over those specific things and how to fix them. But again, you need to modify. So if you've got any of those things, right, you need to let it subdue. So you're going to let those pains calm down. And then you're doing small things to as intense as ACL to as little as, you know, rolled ankle and then knee pain. So when you're resting for too long, so you've got an invisible line, it's called your pain threshold. And this, this line is once when you're over it, your, your risk of injury is significantly higher than when you are below it, right? It's an invisible line and, and it gets higher. Um, like that pain threshold line gets higher as you get in better shape. And that means when your pain threshold is low, that means you're likely to cross over it often. So when you're training, you're trying to make progress and you're trying to push yourself not in a way where you're too much above your pain threshold, but somewhere around it, like all the time, right? In a tight window, at it, a little bit below it, a little bit above it. Because a little bit above it is fine in moderation, which is why we, we track our workouts over time. But when you rest for too long, that pain threshold level begins to fall, which means when you get back, into action, you're, you're, you're more likely to cross that pain threshold line faster and quicker than when you were even first starting in the first place, which means that you're more likely to re-injure yourself because you might have actually felt better and you feel like it might have gone better. But because you're cross, crossing that pain threshold again at a lower level, because you've rested for so long, because resting also sets you back on your goals. Even while you feel like you're recovering, you're getting, your muscles are getting smaller. Your cardio is not as good. You know, you're accumulating fat, right? You're, you're accumulating. You're not doing um, the things to help keep you moving, right? To keep you where you are. And you're just, you're, it's like you're multiplying the issues, right? So again, first the injury happens, whatever it is, the pain, you got to let the pain subdue. Then instead of continuing to rest and be afraid, you have to get to work. Got to get to work. Got to work on movements above and below where the injury is. And then making sure you're gently working the exact area that you're working because unless you're doing something outrageous, everything is okay. Right. So functional movements means that you are supposed to be able to do this, this movement on a functional level. And if you aren't able to do functional movements, you lose the ability to do them what feels like you can't do them, but really you're just rusty and you need to grease up the reels, lubricate your, the, the spots in which you feel like you're not moving well, which means you're dysfunctional, right? So with that pain, you're stabilizing, you're working above and a, a, a below and at, because 
you're trying to improve the movement. You're trying to make progress. Unless you're doing something completely ridiculous, it's going to be good for you, right? And you don't have to go hit workouts. I don't recommend hit workouts when you're recovering from pain. So when uh, nothing that's fast twitched, nothing that's crazy high volume with stuff you're not confident about your form, right? So doing more resistance training, doing more slow twitch body weight training, right? I've got a lot of body weight programs for you guys to do. So if you're intimidated going to the gym or you don't like that environment, then you want to do body weight stuff because it's highly effective. Then you've got exercises that you're supposed to, you've got goal like standards, but you can't quite do the standard because you're injured. So you have to modify the movement, right? So if someone, for example, was doing my free personal training class, um, which is on my Facebook group with my link in the bio on my Instagram, Right. I don't engage with people directly during the class because I'm also working out and it's a distraction. But if there's something that you can't do that I'm doing, you modify it to something relative. Right. Because something relative is going to progress into what I'm doing. Right. So you want to modify your movements. Right. Discover what's functional, what parts of your body are dysfunctional, and then doing movements and, and resistance that helps you become more functional at, at lightweight. You increase your pain threshold by attempting to work out, but never getting hurt while you're working out. So you have to be careful, right? Over time, that pain threshold grows. If you do a balance of resting, eating, sleeping, loving, not stressing, but being more happy, those things matter. And then your pain threshold grows, and then you're more likely to not get hurt again. But again, taking too much rest and taking too much time off is not the move. Not the move, right? When you get hurt, pain, that, that is a direct signal from your brain to stop doing whatever it is you were doing. So even if someone attacks you, right, that's a signal from the brain to be more aware about your surroundings and avoiding someone attacking you, right? Someone attacked you, that hurts, don't let that happen again. Or your bad form, something happened, you hurt yourself, that's a message from your brain telling you to sharpen up your form, right? Pain is a cue from your brain telling you to not do that again, right? So you modify what it is that hurt you in the first place, but working out is not usually what got you hurt in the first place unless it was too heavy or bad movements, little combination of the both. Maybe you're just not resting long enough um, because in the same place that bulletproof, bulletproofs you can also hurt you if it's excessive, right? If it's too excessive, there's a, a, a window. Can't go too excessive, too left, too right. It's right in the sweet spot, balancing, but, but progressing right? If your pain or your injury isn't coming from a direct injury, it's probably a lifestyle issue. And that means something maybe related to your job, something at home. Maybe you've got a kid, you know, young kids can cause body issues, but the good news with kids, they grow up and hopefully you don't have to deal with any more weird body positions as they grow up, right? People shift and, and take shape towards their, their, their career. Um, if you're stressed out, not eating well, not sleeping well, issues can occur. So 
um, lifestyle changes are how you can fix the pains as well, right? So if you didn't actually hurt yourself, you know, going back even further and, and maybe fixing some of the lifestyle things that you've got going on is huge. That will help you eliminate some of the pain that you're maybe dealing with, right? Most pain and injury, you are capable of dealing with it yourself. That's key to understand. That's key to understand. Then it's back to learning what's functional and dysfunctional. So a couple of examples with careers, if you're at a desk job, right? You want to make sure that your hands are strong, your wrists are, are mobile, your, your forearms are loose, they're not tense. You want to make sure you're relaxed in your shoulders. You want to make sure your shoulders are stable. You want to make sure your glutes are strong. You want to make sure your core is strong. You want to make sure your inner quads and your lower butt are strong. That will help you feel good as a desk warrior. Um, if you're uh, standing on your feet all day, making sure you're strengthening your feet, strengthening your heels, strengthening your glutes, uh, making sure your core is strong, shoulders are strong. Um, if you are, you know, a dentist, which I work with a lot of like, you know, doctors, they hunch over and working on those, those back muscles, those external rotators, wrists, forearms, uh, you know, glutes, cause they sit all day, you know, having this type of awareness to be able to fix whatever it is that's causing it in the first place. That's huge as well. When it comes to fixing your pain or your injury and working out through pain and injury. Unless you hurt yourself or you have a, you know, a diagnosed disorder, right? It's, it's something lifestyle that can fix the issue, right? So working out through pain and injury, knowing how to fix them, when not to fix them. You also need to do the combination of the stretch, deep tissue, and, and muscle building identifying what you need and what you don't. Sometimes you don't need all three. Sometimes you just need one. Sometimes you need all three. Sometimes stretching can be the problem. Rarely resistance training can be, is the issue because you can go lighter weight. Sometimes I've seen where heavy weight is not the sauce, but functional movement, lighter weight is the sauce. Most people, heavy weight is very beneficial right? Especially people who are trying to reduce pain. So if you're trying to reduce pain and injury, mixing up your, your sets and your reps is critical because if you do this correctly, these are ratios to the body. These are proportions of weight your body handles. So three sets, 10, eight, six, that means three sets, that's 10 reps, eight reps, six reps, or five by five. That means five sets of five reps or four sets of three or five, four, three, two, one, or three sets of six, then sprinkling in three by 10 and then three by 12, and then maybe three by 20, then maybe three by 30. But blending in all of these as well is super critical because if you're kind of just doing the same thing over and over, when it comes to high volume, it's kind of like you're just spinning your wheels over and over and over again. There's only so much weight you can progress up when you're doing the high volume. And you'll never be able to lift the heavier weight in high volume. And then doing too much heavy lifting is just intense on the joint. So while heavy lifting is, in my opinion, the secret sauce that a lot of people need, doing too much heavy lifting without the proper rest or blend or everything can be problematic because it's also the most damaging to the joints and the body. So just a ratio game here. 
right? And having confidence in your approach and being willing to learn. If you just are confident that you're doing the right stuff and you're trying to learn, then you're going to remove your aches and your pains, right? Um, and if you ever need more help, feel free to reach out. I've got a team to help. So I'm going to go over some of the, the stuff that you guys reached out to me about. So first, we're going to go over knees. So I see I'm going to go hardcore ACL and I see meniscus. So um, so first of all, when it comes to those injuries, like if you actually tore your ACL and your meniscus, again, you start with stable stabilizing. So ACL, you're not doing anything until you've gotten your surgery and then everything and then and then just feeling good essentially a couple of days later. So you, you have to wait for your doctor's clearance for levels of participation, but at its minimum, you start by wiggling your toes, flexing your feet, squeezing your glutes, right? Doing isometrics, right? But the goal is to, when you're eventually strengthening your, your knee is making sure your glutes and your, your quads and your, your ankles and your calves are all strong. And the way you're able to do that, so, okay, if you have, if you have knee issues, so knee pain, ACL, and you're just not ready to do knee extension, which means bending your knee, squatting, lunging, leg extensions, leg curls, then you do things that you do hip extension and you activate your glutes and your hips and your, your ankles and your feet, and you're able to do this without any usage of the knee. Okay. So you're able to fire up and get a really killer leg workout without bending your knees at all. And, and I mean, bending your knees through range of motion. So a slight bend in the knee, even with a fucked up knee is fine. Right. The issue is being able to bear weight, make cuts, run, progress. Right. But very gentle movements in the glutes and, and going abducting and very specific movements will help you speed up the process and relieving knee pain or getting back on your feet from like a major surgery. Right. So, and actually, you know, yeah, I mean, it's, so with like an ACL, you know, when you're recovering for something super surgical, then you're going to want to incorporate more knee movements over time so that you get that range in motion fixed and progressing to, you know, having stronger quads. But if your knees just hurt and you've got no injury, it's most likely you got to really work out your glutes, big time glute person. You need to be immediately attacking your glutes and working on your feet and your heels and your calves stretching your hamstrings, working on your tibia muscles, right? And actually not even doing that much knee extension stuff because the chances are everything you've ever done has been mostly knee extension. So if your knees just hurt in general, work on your glutes and your ankles and your feet, right? And, and doing and making sure you can do the functional movements. So if your knees hurt, make sure you can do the functional movements, which are a squat with no weight, a lunge, both front and to the side. Um, make sure you can like 
you know, curl your leg, you know, when you're laying down or when you're sitting. And, and if you can do those movements optimally, then your knees shouldn't be hurting, but overall working on your glutes is the move rolled ankles and feet now. So first of all, what's tricky in general is a lot of people don't work on their feet. They do things with their feet, like running or walking or working out or living, but having intention and actually working on your feet um, properly is going to really help with you not rolling your ankles. Cause if your feet are strong, you're not going to roll your ankles. And then also having the awareness to building the strength on the front, the back and the sides of your ankles. So working on your feet and, and specifically working on the strength of your ankles, which is your, your calves and your, and your heel, right? both in the front, the back, and the sides, huge. Um, and just taking the time to work on this, but also doing resistance training, want to make sure you're doing resistance training. So if you're rolling your ankles a lot, you need to be lifting more weights and focusing on stabilizing at the glutes and at the knees as well, right? So you got to have strong glutes, strong knees, strong cores. If you're rolling your ankles, it, stability is your issue. You want to be working on your feet with intention, Okay. Um, back pain, back pain, lower back, spinal, herniated disc. So first of all, for all of those things, working out your glutes and your deep core muscles are going to help you immediately with, with those things, herniated discs, lower back, spinal stuff, all fixable, all fixable and requires learning how to stimulate your back through exercise, proper exercise, learning how to look inside of your body, work the deeper muscles, not just the ones you see, because then, you know, workout happens, blood flow happens, breakdown happens, stabilization happens, recovery happens, progression happens, right? And you're able to move forward. So most of the time when people are working out their back, they're not thinking about their spine or their terror muscles. They're just thinking about their lats, 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 lats. Lats is like the, the mainstream term, but you want to be focused on your, your, your spine or it requires from your neck all the way to your tailbone. So around your spine is a, is like two tubatures and muscles that run along it. A lot of stuff is around the spine. You can strengthen all of it. So you want to have masterful movement with your spine in order to reduce the likelihood of getting injured, dealing with current pains and progressing forward. Right. So lower back. Um, so, so with, with lower back, working out your glutes, not sitting down all the time, um, working out your core. So if your lower back hurts, it's also most likely a back spasm as well, which means working out your lower glute maximus, working out your deep, deep ab muscles, which is your transverse abdominis, working out your inner quad muscles, and then working out your spinal muscles will help tremendously in lower back and then not sitting all the time. Right. So I want to make sure you're standing because when you're sitting while it's comfortable, you're shortening your, your back and your core muscles when you sit. So I'm recording this podcast right now sitting. And that means that I'm shortening the muscles in my back and in my core, getting tighter. So having that awareness is key. And herniated disc is working on your hip hinge movements and progressively adding weight to, um, to the spinal load. So you want to be able to progressively add more weight to your spine 
to create stimulation from your neck all the way to your tailbone, and then mastering that control. That's going to help your herniated disc. But if you're too heavy or your, your form is not good, you can re-injure your herniated disc. So the proper weight and the proper movement helps fix your herniated disc. So good mornings, deadlifts, squats, um, you know, and then for core exercises, you know, planks, partial crunches, you know, using stuff that's isometric deep down stuff is key. But I actually have podcast episodes going over specific exercises that work your deep core muscles. So I recommend you going back and listening to those because this episode is more about strategy and actually going through the pains and the injuries versus those other episodes are more specific into this specific topic. Okay. And then lastly, I've got here tennis elbow. So tennis elbow. So here's my take on tennis elbow. So when it comes, when it comes to elbows, Elbows are tricky, but when you learn them, it's actually not that bad. Okay. So first of all, understanding that your biceps and your triceps attached to your elbow matters, and then your forearm muscles below it matter, and then your wrist matters, and then your hands matter. So starting at your hands, you want to make sure your fingers and your hands are flexible and strong. So you want to have awareness and stretching your fingers, your hands, and actually building strength in that. So that means... Um, at my gym, I've got something called the gripper. So we've got a specific hand machine to progress weight, but then, you know, stretching your, your, your wrists, stretching your doing, doing like, um, ISO, like doing like on a three point stance, like pressing your fingers into the ground or something, building strength in your hands and flexibility and mobility in your hands and wrists is huge. Then working on your forearms is huge as well. Right. So actually doing exercises that strengthens your forearms. The, the best thing that I like to do is, is hold the weight um, with your palms facing down and curl your wrist up and isometrically hold, feel it in your wrists, right? Building strength in your wrists. But doing resistance training for tennis will help eliminate the tennis elbow. Right. So working on your hands, working on your wrists, working on your forearms with resistance, but then making sure you're biceps and your triceps aren't tight as well. So biceps and triceps are overworked in comparison to the forearms, right? So your forearms, wrists, and hands are underdeveloped while your biceps and your triceps are overdeveloped. So your biceps and your triceps can cause issues in your shoulders and in your elbows. So you want to make sure that you're, you're, you're loose, you're stretched and deep tissue work is done in the biceps and the inner arm, right? So your funny bone area, your triceps and your biceps, mostly probably in your situation with tennis elbow, probably would want to work on the, the mobility part. So a massage, a Theragun, really poking yourself in there and getting deep in there would be super quality, but then also working on your shoulder. So your deltoid, your chest, your, your, and your deep shoulder muscles. So there's a bunch of fancy shoulder muscles, right? Your, your subscapularis, your uh, infraspinatus, your supraspinatus, right? These are part of your, your shoulder complex, right? And these are muscles that are inside your shoulder. You can't see them, but strengthening the deep shoulder muscles that encourages shoulder stability will help with your tennis elbow. So um, when everyone's working out their shoulders, they're always thinking about like their deltoids, but you're not thinking about your infraspinatus and your supraspinatus and your subscapularis, your chest, 
right? Your tear muscles, strengthening and stabilizing these muscles when you play a game like tennis is huge and is going to help you hit harder too. So if you have stable shoulders, loose chest, loose tear muscles, loose deltoids, loose bicep, loose triceps, strengthen forearms, strengthen hands, but then also good range of motion in your ankle, in your wrists and in your fingers. And they're not being tense there. And then making sure you're stable and not too tense in your traps and in your um, rhomboids. That's going to be huge to eliminating that tennis elbow. It's hard to believe that if you do all of those things, I told you, it's hard to believe your tennis elbow is going to continue to be there. I named like literally one, two, three, four, five, six, at least seven things right there for the tennis elbow that would tremendously help. And you just got to make sure you're doing them right. But I know how to do those things. You can reach out to me. I'm here to answer your question. So that's the end of the episode. I hope you guys enjoyed. I feel like this provided a ton of great value. Hope you guys check it out and tune into the next episode. Have a great rest of your day, guys. Take care.